Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today's episode of the Believe in Steelers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Ike, football is back, and the NBA Finals starts Wednesday nights. All the bets are available at betonline.ag. I tell you what, man, if I was a gambler man, but heck, we, get, we keep getting sponsored by BetOnline, I guess I got to start gambling a lot. I want to give a shout out to, to BetOnline for, for entertaining the sponsor and listening to us for giving, you know, Mark and I a shot. Appreciate BetOnline. Make sure y'all BetOnline just in case, too. And Ike, we love the online casino that never closes as well. But all the game spreads, the totals, team player, and coaching props, BetOnline is really the place to be. 100%. I totally agree. So we had a, we had a poor boy shop in New Orleans in the east off a shelf called We Never Close. And y'all might as well go to bed online because they ain't never closing no time soon. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Cue the music. It's time to start the show. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. And Ike, the Steelers are 3-0 and for the first time in a decade after winning the Watt Bowl on Sunday over the Houston Texans. TJ and Derek Watt beat their brother, J.J. Watt, of the Houston Texans. Steelers won that game 28-21. to And Ike, the Steelers one of seven teams in the NFL still undefeated. We're going to break down here early some of the best teams among those teams that are 3-0. and But to start out, we have a five-star review from a listener that we've got to read. Jay Money's 24, the love for the number 24, Ike. That was your number. He says, stumbled on this podcast on Twitter. I love it. You guys rock. Love you, Ike. Five stars from me. Appreciate you, Jay Money, 2-4. I like that 2-4 at the end. It's 24 hours in the day. My number was two four. Now it's time to get this podcast popping. I love it. I love it. And Ike, we are going to have two of the five members from the Steelers Hall of Honor Class 2020 on our podcast. I'm going to leave it there and leave it up to the listeners of, okay, which two guys are we going to have on? But certainly an exciting time for the Steelers right now, especially considering this team's 3-0. Yeah, it's, this should be a no-brainer. You know, we're going to have two. Two of my ex-teammates come on board with us uh, next week. I don't want to say any names, but uh, make sure y'all tune in. I'm sure y'all going to be proud. I'm sure y'all going to be excited. And I'm excited just talking about it right now. So tune in next week for sure to uh, Mark and I, Believe in Steelers podcast. Listen to the two guys, my former teammates, who are going to be on the podcast. It's going to be fantastic. So, Ike, the Steelers. 3-0, and they're one of seven teams that are 3-0. So you've got in the AFC, the Steelers, the Bills, the Titans, and the Chiefs. In the NFC, you've got the Bears, the Packers, and the Seahawks. Where in your eyes does Pittsburgh stack up against the teams that are still undefeated through three weeks of the 2020 season? And they stack right in the top. I mean, the, the teams you just named out the AFC, Mark, we're talking about old school running the ball. Uh, big quarterbacks, win-by-defense kind of playoff mentality right now. And that's that's what you want. If you look at the Bills, the Bills, the way they got in the playoffs was running the ball. You know, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, they have a, a plethora of, of weapons at the wide receiver position, but you you watching their running game, James Conner had a big game, you know, last week, over 100-something yards and good defenses. So that's what you got to look at right now, man. These, these teams that you're naming undefeated, 
they have the playoff remedy right now, other than the KC, Kansas City Chiefs. They have the playoff remedy right now, and that's playing good defense and having a good running game. I think the Steelers are somewhere in the middle of the pack with that group. I'd probably put the Chiefs at the top after their performance last night, knocking off the Ravens on Monday Night Football. I can tell you this much. Among that group, I can tell you my opinion of the weakest, and that's the Bears, because in my opinion, the Bears could easily be 0-3 just as easily as they could be 3-0, if not for a few plays here and there. I'm talking going back to week one, DeAndre Swift's drop, ball right in his hands in the end zone. This last week against Atlanta, the Falcons somehow find another way to lose a game back-to-back weeks after the week before against that game against Dallas. So to me, in my eyes, that's the weakest of the bunch that are still undefeated. Found this stat about the Bears, too. NFL teams are 6 in 646 since the start of 2010 when entering the fourth quarter trailing by 16-plus points. Two of the three Bears wins qualify under that. So it just shows you how miraculous some of the, the comebacks that they've had. I think the Steelers are somewhere in the middle of the pack here. Obviously, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. To me, they're still the defending Super Bowl champion, and they've played the part through three weeks in the season. The Steelers have a really interesting matchup this week against the Titans because you're talking about a team that plays stout defense that runs the ball. The Titans are 3-0, and Ike, but against the spread, they're 0-3 this season. So they've played all their games really, really close thus far in 2020. I'm still going to take the Steelers. And the reason why I'm going to take the Steelers, Mark, is because they've, we've gotten everything we've been looking for as far as, like, they had to come back. They had to adjust against Deshaun Washington and company. We saw the league against the Houston Texans with the Pittsburgh Steelers have to adjust on defense. In that second half, I think their defense just kind of, like, shut them down. I think they had 58 total yards. The Houston Texans had 58 total yards on offense. Um, I think they had two first downs in the second half. Time of possession was all the way towards the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's what you look at. Over the first three games, I look at, okay, how teams are winning. Are they able to come from behind? We all know what KC can do. And I agree. I think KC right now is the top of the AFC. We all know what KC can do. They can run the ball if they want to with the young rook. Or they can just sling all night with Patrick Mahomes and company. Whether you want to go tight ends or whether you want to go four or five wide. I mean, last night, if you watched the football game, you saw even a little running back coming out of the backfield making plays. So KC is a little bit different. The reason why I like Pittsburgh going going in second is because young, they one, they're they're a team in this prime. Got a lot of got a lot of first rounders on defense. Have a lot of guys who 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 are seasoned veterans on the offensive side. You got a lot of young guys who got a lot of experience last year. Ben was able to sit back, even though he didn't want to. Want to? He was able to sit back and just kind of see what he had to do from a coaching standpoint. Now Ben is starting to get in the groove. You know, Ben is calling the audibles. He's wanting to call. When you look at it from a coaching standpoint, you look at okay. We've been up, and we've been down, and we've won so far. Just looking at it from a Ravens standpoint, it's hard for them to come back when they're down. Pittsburgh has proven when they're down, they can make adjustments and come back and win ball games. So I totally agree with that KC, with the KC point of view. Man, I think they are, they are number one. I think Pittsburgh is number two. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he, he's not a Lamar. He's not a – even though he's athletic, he's not a Lamar. He's not a, a Patrick Mahomes. 
he's not a Deshaun Watson. I think that that will give anybody trouble when you have a quarterback who's just as agile. He's a game manager, and I I don't mean to say a game manager in a bad way. It's just I think the Pittsburgh front line can defensive front line can handle their run game. I think they're starting to get in the groove. I think it Devin Bush he's starting to lose some weight. You can start to see he's trying to get in the groove as far as like pass coverage. I think DC and Coach Keith Butts, he's starting to understand. Vince has Vince has been open about Coach Let Me Blitz. That's what all Vince Wynn wants to do is blitz. And he's a heck of a blitz. So now he's getting back into the groove of blitz. And so just getting back to what your personnel does well. I just think by the end of the day, and we're looking at the run game, but I think Pittsburgh as a defensive style, they're gonna want Tannehill to beat them. They're 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 going to load the box and stop. So Tannehill got to find his two studs on the on the outside. Now don't get me wrong, between Davis, Davis and the other young stud they got over there at the wide receiver position for the Tennessee Titans, them boys are held to cover as well. But I I think by the end of the day, Pittsburgh has just shown me so far they can hold the league, they can come back from a league, and right now all around they're just a better team right now. Yeah, we'll see about the status of receiver A.J. Brown for the Titans. He's been nursing an injury there. I want to go back to your point about the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson comes into the league in 2018. The Ravens are 0-10 after trailing at halftime since he's come into the league. And they're the only team in the NFL without a single win after trailing at halftime during that span. So if you can get a lead over this Ravens team – that's the narrative with them, and that proved to be true on Monday Night Football last night. I, I'll take the Chiefs as the top dog in the AFC. I think the Steelers are right behind. Really like how the Bills are playing. I'll say this. In the NFC, it's kind of a toss-up between Green Bay and Seattle. I'll take Green Bay. I think the Packers have been a little bit better on defense. I think Seattle's pass defense specifically has struggled at times, and I know they're beat up too. So, Things are going well for Pittsburgh. I want to see how the Steelers match up against a good team, though. I was looking at the standings. Like, the teams they've played are now 0-9 on the season. So you've got a 3-0 and Titans game this upcoming Sunday where you're on the road in Tennessee. There's going to be limited people in attendance at Nissan Stadium in Nashville this upcoming weekend. But I want to see how the Steelers stack up against a team that has actually won a football game because that has not happened yet to this point. Giants are a young team in week one. You take care of business there. The Broncos, a team a lot of people thought were going to be a bit of a dark horse in the AFC this season. They've been decimated by injuries. And then taking care of business this past Sunday against the Houston Texans, a team with its back up against the wall, down 0-2 and almost a de facto must-win game, just considering how difficult it is to make the postseason with an 0-2, let alone an 0-3 deficit. We see what the Steelers team will be made of this upcoming Sunday against a winning football team. I think they're going to be fine. You know, I, I think by the, by the end of the day, they're not mirroring each other as far as, like, blueprints. But at the same time, I, I'm just going to give the edge to the Pittsburgh Steelers because I just like what I see so far as a whole. If you want to run the ball, they, they got a few running backs in the backfield between Snells and Connor and company that can run the ball. They have a young offensive line who also has been decimated by injuries as well. So it's like a plug and play. And now they're getting together and they're getting experience, which is good for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Then you can pass the ball if you want to. Between Juju, James Washington, 
and Deontay Johnson and, and Chase Claypool. Now, now you start to see Eric Ebram. He's getting his hands on the ball. You start to see Ben starting looking towards Vance McDonald. So I think personnel-wise, they have a lot of options. And now you got a quarterback who has kind of been a dark horse the last five years. And what I mean by that is between Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, between them two, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Nobody really says too much about Big Ben, to be honest with you. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, just, that's just Big Ben. Now I think Big Ben wants his name to be out there. And he's doing what he needs to do with a young team. This is his team, period, especially on offense. So he hasn't been saying much. He's one of the only guys I know who played through tough injuries at that quarterback position. So I just, I just like the edge of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's one of the reasons why. I think when it comes down to making plays, when it comes down just to being a gamer, uh, Ben has been a gamer his whole career. So I'm going to stick with seven. I like KC because KC personnel at the top of the AFC is hard. You know, you got Hardman, you got you got Hardman, you got Sammy, you got Cheetah. And we're talking about guys who, who run four threes 24-7 all day. So it, it's hard to cover them three guys. And you got a guy who's just sitting working with a blue-collar dark horse and, and Travis Kelsey who's just sitting in the middle can eat up the hashes on you, you know. So then you got to – a young Patrick Mahomes who can sling the ball any kind of angle you want the man to sling. You know, right now, Patrick Mahomes is looking like he's in the matrix. The game is really slow to him. If you just see what he – I think he double-clutched, had two guys off the Ravens kind of jump up. He slid and, and wound up throwing for a first down. Like, that's hard to do, you know, especially under the rest. But getting back to the Pittsburgh still the seven, seven just figuring everything out. And I think he's playing well off that injury having to sit out a year. Big Ben setting the franchise record on Sunday, 221 games in a Steelers uniform, breaking the record set by Hall of Fame center Mike Webster. And so tremendous accomplishment there for Big Ben. On Sunday's game, Ike, the game to me it goes back to running the ball and playing stout defense. Steelers had the ball for a time of possession for more than 36 minutes in that game. So not only does that keep your offense on the field, keeps the defense off of the field and allows them to rest. It was a tale of two halves because I was texting you a little bit in the first and it was like, oh man, Watson's carving up the Steelers and Steelers defense shut out Houston in the second half. And you talk about running the ball, 169 yards rushing on 38 attempts for the Steelers. The Texans had 29 yards rushing on 15 carries. And that limited Watson in the second half because this defense could sit back and say, hey, we know you're going to pass the ball. The turning point in the game for me, Ike, was our guy, Mike Hilton, intercepting the ball. And that leads to a long Steelers drive that chews up more than seven minutes of play clock. You go down and get the lead and you absolutely exhaust Houston's defense. You keep your defense off the field and allow them to rest. And that that turnover and then not abandoning the run either really to me was the huge turning point in Sunday's game in the win over the Texans. Unsung hero, Mike Hilton. This is going to be our second week talking about Mike Hilton. All he does is come up with big plays. A small, small in stature, but big on the field when it comes down to making plays. You know what I'm saying? And I agree with you that that interception kind of changed the momentum of the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Deontay, we talked about Deontay Johnson on the offensive side, how important he is. So now I think he's starting to, the game is starting to slow back down for him. And he's just letting 
the game come to him. So I agree with that aspect. But Mike Hilton, you can't say enough good things about Mike Hilton right now because right now between the the, the Tuits, the the Cam Haywards, the TJs, the Bud Dupree's, as, as good as they've been playing, I don't think nobody has been more consistent and been much of a playmaker other than T.J. Watt than Mike Hilton. You mentioned the running game as well. We said this last week too. Anthony McFarland got into the mix too. He had 42 yards on six carries in his NFL debut. So, okay, the two-headed monster with Connor, who surpassed 100 yards rushing, and what we've seen Snell do. McFarland's getting into the mix, and maybe it goes from a two-headed monster to a three-headed monster. And so my good call, Ike, would probably be not abandoning the run and the importance of running the ball to keep the clock moving. We've talked about this. I feel like we're a broken record week after week after week after week. My bad call would be Deontay Johnson yet again fielding a punt. He did it inside the five-yard line, and he called a fair catch. And this is the third week in a row he's done this. I'm hoping while he's out in concussion protocol where he can look at the tape and we talked about him pressing a little bit, we know what he can do with the ball in the open field in his hands. But if he fumbles inside the 10 trying to make a play, make something out of nothing, it's going to cost the Steelers at some point in time. Barely nearly did in week one in the game against the Giants because he did fumble inside the 10. He can't keep affording to make mental mistakes like that. And again, to me, this is an observation I've made. This is the third week in a row he's done that. It's driven me nuts. Knowing Coach T and Coach T saying is, I'd rather say woe than sickle. So Coach T likes Deontay Johnson's aggressiveness on one to fill the ball, regardless on whether he's where he's at on the field. And the reason why is because what you said, he's a playmaker. He can make big plays. Now, the con to that is, Mentally, where do you put the offense or the fumbling problem? I mean, he only had the fumbling problem once. But for Deontay, he got to understand, which is hard for somebody that aggressive to understand, is the awareness and what's going on on the field, time of possession, momentum, swift and change. But knowing Coach T, Coach T love it. Like, Coach, I say Coach T is a total, a total player's coach, and whatever your personality is, he wants you to be that person. And Deontay is an aggressive guy when it comes down to punt returning. And, you know, if he just get a little bit of daylight, what he's going to do. Now, on the other side to that is what you said, Mark, like, dang, bro, if you're not if, – if, if your heel's on the 10-yard line, there's no reason for you to back up. But in Deontay's head, Deontay said, man, if I just touch this pigskin, this can be a big play regardless on well, Matt, on the field. So, it's, you, you got to deal. Um, he, he has another saying that – gunfighters get shot so that's whatever whatever coach decision is he's just going to live with it he'll put that he'll put that on him if something was to happen again and Deontay is back there I guarantee you coach T you say that's 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 my fault I want the man to be aggressive that's just his personality it's something I want to see fixed just because again we saw the one fumble in week one it has only been one fumble but you put your offense in a really bad spot from a field position standpoint where their heels are on the end zone and you're trying to either avoid a safety or worst case scenario, if you fumble or give up a quick interception, that's six right there. And so you're just putting your offense in a terrible spot from a field position standpoint. 
something I'd like to see corrected. And again, there's no doubt, I'm not, I'm not debating Deontay Johnson's ability in the open field with the ball in his hands because we know what he can do. That's not, that's not what I'm debating here. I know, I know what coach, if, Deont- if Deontay feels a thing on the five-yard line, a punt on the five-yard line, I know what Coach Tom is telling Coach Randy, the OC. Let's get this 17-play drive going. Hey, Coach, Coach, T, Coach T always loves the challenges. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Coach Randy, I, we didn't pay you this. This this why we paid you. We need a 15 to 17 play drive going on. So he always, regardless of how we look at it, because we're fans and just looking at it from different point of views, Coach T always liked them small challenges. And the Steelers were capable of that. Again, after Hilton's interception, it was a 12-play, 79-yard drive that, again, took more than seven minutes in the fourth quarter that I thought was the huge turning point. Hopefully, Deontay can get back out on the field. He might miss some time with the concussion. Fullback Derek Watt has a hamstring injury, too. He's done a nice job clearing the way for the Steelers' running backs as well. So hopefully, they don't miss him for too long. And kind of bittersweet for him, too, in the Watt Bowl, going up against his brother and then flying alongside TJ in the sense that he's going to be reminded of this game for so many years from now. It's like, oh, yeah, remember that Watt Bowl? For, you know, the first time three brothers have played in a game, I think the second time since, like, the 1920s or whatever, and it's just like, oh, yeah, except I pulled my hamstring in that game. That's what he's going to remember. So hopefully he can get healthy there. Like you say, man, it's just it's good to see brothers play in the league. But, man, you're talking about three brothers. Like, as a parent, I'm like, Man, I didn't push out as a mom and a dad, man. I I didn't made three I didn't made three boys in the league as a mom. You can only imagine how proud a mom is having three boys in the house and all of them playing on the same field as a professional athlete. You know what I'm saying? So more power to them. I know Coach Thomas said um, when they got the fullback white, Coach T was like, Man, you can't have enough whites on your team. So I can only imagine if they wind up trying to sneak in JJ White in a couple of years, but at the same time, man, if I'm pops, if I'm Papa Watt, man, I'm like, man, y'all gotta, y'all gotta get some of this DNA, you know, y'all, y'all see what I'm doing with these damn kids. I got three professional, <laughs> I got three professional football players. If y'all want some of this DNA, man, I'm charging y'all a handful for it. <laughs> you know how they got like the half and half uniforms, Ike, the yeah. custom made half and half. They'd have to yeah. get like a custom made third uniform. So one third TJ, yeah. one third Derek, and one third JJ. Yeah, man. I'm I'm like if if I'm Papa White, man, I'm like one of these Kentucky Der- Derby horses, man. I'm like a barber <laughs> horse, man. You know, if <laughs> that's how I'm feeling. Like y'all gotta y'all gotta come get some of this, man. This this gonna cost you right here. <laughs> I, I just don't even know what you do as a parent because it's just like you want to support your kids at the same time it's just like oh you're way more preferential towards either the Steelers or the Texans like what what your wardrobe looks like in preparation for that game that's the big question I have especially with three because again we've seen the half and half custom made uniforms but with three adds a whole new wrinkle to this whole thing yeah that's a prideful that's a prideful as a parent, that's a lot of pride. It's rare air when you want to talk about that. So I'm sure they proud parents. They got three good boys sitting in the league. No off the field issues. They all know what they need to do. They a true professional when it comes down to on and off the field. So you got you got two so far made the pro. I think did all three make the Pro Bowl? 
I'm going to put IT on that. Hang on. Continue at their point. I'll, I'll check this. I'm going to get IT yeah, on this. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping my nephews and my son can get done, you know. So I'm just looking at, like, well, man, we're talking about in one household. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, you got three studs in one household all playing in the NFL. And, and I'm talking about Pro Bowl, all pro. Like, you're, you just don't have three – you got three white guys in the NFL and they've been pro bowlers or all pro guys. So that's saying a lot. Yeah, Derek has not made one yet, but obviously TJ and JJ have both made the pro right. bowl before, but yeah, maybe they could, wherever the pro bowls played, I know it's been in Orlando from time to time, then all the way out to Hawaii. Ike, I know that was something that you never got to experience in your career. And I know you got close a few times too. And so just right. what that means to a player to be honored by the fans, your peers, the writers, to be the best of the best. I'd rather be all pro than pro bowl. I know the pro bowl, the all-star games can be a bit of a popularity contest, but just what that means for a player to be honored amongst the best of the best for what you do and for your position as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never, I mean, the reason why is because of the interceptions, but at the same time, I've shut a lot of people down, but for me making a Pro Bowl, I feel like I made it internally just playing for the Steelers every time, you know, Coach LeBeau in a defensive meeting said, Ike, you got him. You know, I feel like I was Pro Bowl material. And Coach LeBeau told me, Ike, you got so-and-so for at least eight years out of my career. So, and everybody felt comfortable with it. And everybody was like, I lock them down. So, and I did it on a consistent basis. I think they only had like 500 yard receiving yards on me, like five guys who had 100 yards in eight years. So I'm proud of that. Touchdowns, um, I took a lot of pride in giving up touchdowns. I'd rather give up the yards than the touchdowns. The touchdowns are hurt the team. So at the same time, man, yeah, I know I, I, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. But at, at the same time, you know, just for Coach LeBeau and that defensive staff to be like, you know who you got. And I was like, yes, sir. That, 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 was, that, was, that was a prideful moment for me. And like I said, I did that for like eight years out of my career, which is hard to do. And we talk about the Batman and Robin scenario. Everybody think they can do it till they really have to do it. You know, everybody who's playing a second receiver, like, damn, I can do what I do. And once they try to do what I do, they're like, God damn, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, this – it's, it's a reason why he's he's the number one and I'm checking the number two. So your mindset just got to be different, man. And at the time, it was me, Revis, Nomni, Shante Samuel. We had some dogs come out, man. There was a few of us who was just traveling. You know, we packed our bags. You know, Revis had his own island. I had a lot of land. I had a lot of land, but you had to pay me taxes. So that's that's how, that's how I was looking at it. You know, my tax percentage was going on 67%. <laughs> and if you didn't want to pay, you was getting locked down. So it was fun, man. But, yeah, I, I never did make the Pro Bowl. Um, came close a few times. But, you know, for me, man, once once they told me who I had, and you know who you got, right? I was like, man, that's that's everything to me. It's got to be satisfying for you as well. Ike, you're very humble. Do you, there's times where you could definitely name drop or call out guys, guys you shut down, it's not your style. But like, that's got to be satisfying for you knowing that, okay, I've got receiver one locked up, no problems. Guy probably is an all-pro, pro bowl player, a guy who is flashier. You always mention the receivers as Ferraris. 
it's hilarious to me. This is now what we've done dozens of shows now. Your disdain for receivers every single time cracks me up because like I know deep down that switch is there and you just by the way that you talk about it, but you're a humble dude. Like you're not gonna, that's not your style to just like to, to talk a bunch of trash and to relitigate something that happened, I don't know, say 10 years ago, right? But it, right. it cracks me up and that's, that's gotta be a point of pride for you knowing that, okay, this receiver won a guy who was an all pro player like, I shut him down. Yeah, my, I, I would let my teammates talk about me than me talk. If, 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 if we could just, Mark, if we could just have an episode of my teammates just talking about how I used to talk on the field, <laughs> you'll be like, goodness gracious. I like, how can that come out? Of, how can that come out of human's mouth? Like, bro, I used to talk so bad to anybody. It really didn't care. Like, for me, it was like, bro, I'm not with this fighting on the field because they're going to break us up. I see your ass in the locker room. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to walk over to your locker room, and I don't want the peace treaty. Let's get these hands throwing, period. If you win, if I, if I feel like you win, we're going to go for a second round. If you win the second round, we're going to go. We're going to go until I feel like I want me around. <laughs> so, every, every, everybody knew that. Like, everybody knew, like, Man, just leave him alone. That's 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 what they used to say. Just just leave that little dude. Leave that little dude alone, man. That little that little dude got some screws loose. So it, it it's 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 been good. But yeah, once coach told me, man, you got him, I was like, man, I'm about to lock him down. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap, baby. Ike, anything else we want to get to before signing off here? I mean, three and oh, you've got the Titans on Sunday. And the Steelers have opened nine seasons in franchise history with the 3-0 and start. So 2020, the last time they did it, 2010, 2007, 1992, 82, 79, 78, 73, and 36. But 3-0 and headed into week four. Man, like it's – this team starts 4-0, and and we're talking about one of the top teams in the AFC – Anything else you want to get to before we sign off here? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the AFC matchup, man. It's going to be Pittsburgh and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's going to be the matchup right there. That's that's what I'm going to say in my mind because that's what I see. People forget two years ago, Pittsburgh had to go into KC and they against a young Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, and I, and I like I like what KC is doing. I just, I just think defensively, I like what Pitt, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense can do, you know, with, with the guys they have on the front line. They can get there without blitzing, you know. So, Coach Tomlin, between Coach Tomlin and Coach Butts, they defensive schematic schemes, man, it's, it's, like, it's like no other. When you want to talk about adjusting, you know, just go back to that Houston, Texas game and to have 58 yards in the second half, you give your offense enough time to control the clock and you only give a team two first downs, that's saying a lot because Deshaun Watson by himself can get two first downs in a drive. So <laughs> you give up two first downs in the whole half, that's saying, that's, that's saying a lot about your defense. So I'm just liking what the Pittsburgh Steelers doing overall in general. I think they're just a better team. They're, they're not as flashy, you know, as, as the KC. Um, their personnel as a wide receiver, um, position it, it, it's not as flashy as KC, but they got some nice receivers. 
one thing I will say is what I do like about Andy Reid is how he's game planning either personnel or the way coaches call their defense. That's one thing I will say. So it's going to be a heck of a matchup. I think this is the matchup we will see for the AFC Championship game, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. You heard it here first. And Ike, I thought when you were mentioning Andy Reid, I thought you were going to mention his fogged up face shield as the thing that you liked about Coach Andy. Coach Andy a little bit different, man. He stayed with the Hawaii Five-O shirts. He stayed with the fog. I think I think he get a kick out of that fog. Ever since they've been talking about the foggy mask, he been rocking with the foggy mask. He like, man, I'm embracing it. But we we definitely, I definitely got to give a shout out to Eric Bieniemy. Um, also the the OC for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's he's, I thought he should have had a head coaching job, but you know God works in mysterious ways when it comes down to that. And it's crazy. I was just thinking last night, like he probably don't need. He probably can sit under Andy Reid and get paid like a head coach. Then when Andy, when he when he wants to retire, Eric the enemy can stay there. So I've seen it happen too many times. So, yeah, I mean, the door always going to open. But sometimes, you know, what you want ain't what God wants for you. So I just look at Coach Eric the enemy like, man, if you can get paid, then they're like a head coach sitting under Andy Reid. You already know the personnel. You got your lifelong franchise quarterback, man. You know what you need to do. Why move? You know, and that that's just how that's how that's how I look at it because I looked at Coach Keith Butts. You know, he he had a few teams wanted him, you know, as an assistant defense coordinator when Coach LeBeau, when Coach LeBeau was the the head DC over here. You know, we we wound up paying Coach Coach Butts like a like a head DC, and Coach Butts was like, man, why would I leave? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm learning under Dick LeBeau. Once Dick can leave, I can be the next up in line, and he wound up doing the same. I'm just looking at Eric Bieniemy the same. Would I want him selfishly to be a head coach? Yes. But just sitting back, and it was just random, Mark. This this was just random. I'm like, I'm like in my head, like, because they were talking about Eric Bieniemy and how fired up and how pissed off he was walking on the sideline at the offense because they stalled for like two possessions and they wound up trying to get, and the Ravens wound up having the chance to come back. And he kind of lit a fire under them guys under them guys, but so I'm like, he should stay. In my head, I said, he should stay. Pay him like he's a, a head coach. Um, I'm sure Andy Reid wouldn't trip on that at all. I'm sure the, the organization wouldn't trip on that. And he'll just be the next in line in Kansas City, period. But um, that's just selfishly speaking. You know, Coach Eric would be enemy, and I know him well. Um, I'm sure he might have other other plans, but I just want to throw that out there. I'm glad you mentioned that point in last night's game because after that, it was like, oh, man, like this guy's not messing around. You could tell by his body language, too. I mean, we don't know exactly what he was saying, but just by his body language, he's, you know, and understandably so because it was, what, a one-score game at that point. And from there, it was just like, Chiefs are going to roll and take care of business with this one. You know, Lamar, 0-3 against the Chiefs now. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that want that rivalry between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. You got to win a game first before it can really be considered a rivalry. And that's not all on Lamar. It's not. But Patrick Mahomes right now, I'd argue that he's still underpaid, even with his massive contract with everything that he's been doing in Kansas City. They look every bit the part of defending Super Bowl champion and last night's game. I hope we get to see Ravens Chiefs again at some point in the playoffs, but last night's game, 
the great ones find ways to motivate themselves. And you saw Mahomes counting how many, everyone thought it was how many touchdowns he had scored. Remember that ranking, I believe the NFL Network did of the top 100 players, and he was ranked like something like number four. He's easily number one. It's easily number one, and there's, there's not a close second, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, from a quarterback standpoint, it's, it's three guys in the matrix. It's Russell Wilson, it's Aaron Rodgers, and it's Patrick Mahomes. The reason why I would put Aaron Rodgers before all of them, because Aaron Rodgers has been making them throws before Patrick Mahomes. It's just he, it wasn't as flamboyant as Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers' receiving core is – you can barely say they're receiving court. You know what I'm saying? Like Aaron Rodgers is winning games with some free agent, low round talent at the wide receiver position. So, but Aaron Rodgers is dropping dimes. You know what I'm saying? If you see Aaron Rodgers throw the ball, if you, if you go, I, I played against Aaron Rodgers. So I didn't see the no looks. And this is 2009. We, we talking about 2009. In the Super Bowl, you couldn't get no hotter than Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. I just like to look at what a person has to work with from a quarterback position. And between Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and AR, I call him AR-12. Receiving-wise, if you give AR them receivers between Russell Wilson and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, man, he'll, he'll, he'll smoke the whole league. Look at what he's doing with the receivers he has now. And who knew, like, who knew that drafting Jordan Love in the first round would help Aaron Rodgers find the fountain of youth this season and put a chip on his shoulder? Yeah, but at the same, at the same point, Marky Mark, the man threw for 4,000 yards last year, 24 touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, we just so used to Aaron Rodgers throwing for 38, 40 touchdowns, five or six interceptions. Well, 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, and six interceptions is a down year for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Now, picture how many quarterbacks would love to have 4,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, six picks as a good as a good year. That's a down year for So, AR, like, dang, I give y'all a down year, but that's top 10 for a lot of these quarterbacks. And that's how y'all go. That's how y'all feel about me. So y'all really want me to throw thirty-eight to forty-five touchdowns a year? Yeah, because that's what we used to seeing. Man, y'all tripping, man. So I feel, I feel, hey, I, like he's one of my favorite to watch. Mark between him and Patrick Mahomes, them two dudes, one of my favorite guys to watch. But I think Ar off the personnel he got to work with, bro. He he's doing a heck of a job. Like, I want to say one other thing about Russell Wilson. There's been a lot this last week or so of, oh, he's never gotten an MVP vote. And, like, that's fine and all. I think he's going to get some MVP votes this year, if not win the award outright. He's having an outstanding year. Go back and actually look at the guys who won the award in previous years. So you want to talk about last year? So Russell Wilson was supposed to win the award over Lamar last year? Uh-uh. Like, I'm sorry, but no. The year before that, you want to look at Mahomes' record-breaking numbers? Russell Wilson wasn't better than Patrick Mahomes the year before. If you actually go look at the guys who won the award in previous years, you have to then vote against those guys that actually won the award. So this whole narrative this last week, it was, how has he never gotten an MVP vote before? And it's like, 
to say that, you have to say that the guy that you rooted for was wrong. And if you look at who's actually won the award, that hasn't been wrong. And that's not taking anything away from Russell right. Wilson. But do a little bit of research. I heard so many people talk about this this last week. And I'm like, okay, let's actually go back and research what actually happened. And people didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, Russ has been stuck in the pickle his whole career. And what I mean by being stuck in the pickle is, you come up in the era was Big Ben, Eli Manning. Okay, they Super Bowl champions twice. Then you you got to wait on Tom Brady and Peyton Manning to retire. We talking about seven to eight rings between them two. Now you come in the era with Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, and Big Ben still sitting, Andrew Brees. Like, damn. So Russell Wilson always has been good. When it came back to the quarterback positions, is he better than the guys I just named right now for that year? And from my point of view, no. You know, this year, how he's moving, yes. But then you got to look at Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's like, dang, like, so you're, yeah, you top three, you top five all day. It's just, are you better than those guys who I've been naming for that year? And it's hard to say. You know what I'm saying? But if Russ keeps doing what he's doing, he's definitely stating his case. But pickle he's been stuck in is between Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Now it's Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. That's and Big Ben. That's 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 eight guys in between. So Tom Brady won Super Bowls. Big Ben won Super Bowls. I'm talking about plural. Eli Manning won Super Bowls. Peyton won Super Bowls. So now you Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. So now you won off it with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. So it's it's tough. And, and I feel you. I, I see what you're saying, Mark. But, you know, he, he's always going to be in that conversation. And as a player, you always got to respect Russ because Russ is the dog. It's just, man, the guys you going against at that particular time during that year, they deserve it. So I agree. Ike, this has been a lot of fun. I want to go encourage the listeners, go leave us a five-star review. We love reading those here on the Believe in Steelers podcast. Yes. want to give a shout-out to betonline.ag as well. Yes. And to my co-host, Ike Taylor, my guy, you're the absolute best. Uh, this is Appreciate always so you, much fun each week. Appreciate you, man. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank BetOnline. Uh, matter of fact, I got to make sure I tag them on, on our social media. I want to thank BetOnline for just sponsoring us, man. Appreciate the love. I want to thank the five-star reviews. I want to appreciate y'all for just tuning in. Me and Mark and Mark, we just getting started. I'm telling y'all, just watch us grow as a group, as a couple, as a duo. So just want to thank everybody for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. Peace. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Steelers podcast. We'll see you next week. Take care and so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.